You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Thanks so much for tuning in and a fine Veterans Day to all of you out there. I'll shout out my brother who served in the Marines, my both of my grandfathers, one served in the Army and the, Na- the other served in the Navy during World War II. So thank you so much for your service and protecting the freedoms that we get to experience every day. And uh, one of those freedoms is celebrating NFL football. And for those of you who are Colts fans, we will preview Thursday night's matchup with the Tennessee Titans. You're getting us a day early. Lucky you. You're getting the Colts a couple days early. Lucky you this week. Keys to the game will make predictions, but start with some news around the NFL. And on Tuesday, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that NFL owners have approved a proposal to increase the playoff, the number of playoff teams to eight in each conference if regular season games wind up getting canceled. So the the deal was this year we're going to seven because of the uniqueness of the year and also to get more money. Let, let, let's not be uh, let's not be coy and beat around the bush there. But now the potential is there to get another playoff team to eight in each conference. That that would be half of each conference. That would be half of the NFL going to the playoffs. I'm sure purists would have something to say about that. But nevertheless, Mike, what it does is it give the, gives the Colts one more opportunity to, to sneak in there. Well, if you look at it, too, that right now they're, they're ninth in the playoff hunt, which tells you they were sixth the week before, so it just shows you they've got how this AFC is going to be from week to week. All of a sudden, Miami's in the picture. Mm-hmm. The, the Raiders, the Browns. Uh, it, it's going to be – that's why – We'll get to it later. That's why Thursday is huge because the, the, the easiest way, I guess, to get to the playoffs is the division. Because mm-hmm. it's going to be very, in my mind, very. I don't unless you have ten places, it's going to be very hard for the Colts to get a wild card berth because they've already lost to Baltimore, they've already lost to Cleveland. So take care of business in the uh, division. Now, one thing I didn't I didn't see in this this proposal. Are they sort of not? Are they are they getting away from a week eighteen and a week nineteen to, to replace games? I think so. I I don't think that's going to be in in the picture. I, I didn't read the proposal either, but I haven't seen anything. Well, uh, don't you that. think the way this is going and it's more and more teams and I, 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 the idea that everyone's going to play sixteen games in my mind is is far fetched just because of where we're at and how this virus is sort of surging everywhere. Right. And, and we saw it already early this season that they were able to to just hop around and kind of make things fit almost had, miraculously, it bi- seems. You had bye weeks. So. Exactly. That's the problem. And if this happens, if the same thing happened that happened four weeks ago happens in another four weeks, well, then you're SOL. It's just not going to happen. Um, and, and speaking of that, the Steelers did place quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, offensive lineman Gerald Hawkins, running back Jalen Samuels, and linebacker Vince Williams, who once called me swole on the reserve COVID-19 list this week. That, that, that's a true story uh, for, for my guy, Vince Williams, down in Tallahassee when he was a linebacker at Florida State. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Big Ben has since tested negative, so um, that's a good, very good sign for the undefeated Steelers. But, but Joe, as Mike points out, that as you go further into the season, if, if games get canceled, it, it, it seems – I would bet if, if you had to ask me right now, what would you think happens, seven playoff teams and a full regular season or eight playoff teams and not a full regular season, 
I think the not a full regular season has to be a, the considerable favorite right now. Yeah, especially with, you know, more and more teams going through their bye weeks. That's kind of the early in the season. They said, OK, you're just going to sit out and this will be your bye week that week. They won't be able to do that as we go forward and get deeper into the year. So I'd have to agree with you on that bet. The Philadelphia Eagles also announced Tuesday a staff member tested positive. But that happened to the Colts last week. Nothing came of it. They're still able to play their game very well. So One of, one of the things on, on the on the likelihood of teams not playing 16 games, what if it's the Colts play 16 and Tennessee plays 14? I mean, you know, take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? You know, I guess you go on win percentage. So th- this could have an impact – Likely will have an impact on on divisions and, and who's your winner and who's your wild card. So, you know, we're only halfway through this, mm-hmm. and like we've t- said, they, they they if they don't expand the season, then you're going to have it's, it's going to come up. It just is. So I, I'm really interested to see how this thing plays out. The uh, I, I I think it's entirely possible that if you go to eight playoff teams, that every single team in the NFC West makes the playoffs. And still, only one team in the NFC East makes the playoffs. Just because. with with a home game, <laughs> exactly. With a home, so you, game. you get to host one of those teams. It could be the, the, the West. six and ten somebody's against at home against somebody that's eleven and five. Exactly. The Eagles host the uh, the Cardinals or whatever it might be, and uh, just probably get boat raced out of uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Um, let's go to injury report for the Colts and Titans this week. Uh, the one big name uh, who is is certainly going to be out is Jack Doyle. When you go out with a concussion on a Sunday game and you have a Thursday night game that week. It's just all but impossible to get back in time. And we've already seen through the first couple practices, Doyle hasn't taken the necessary steps forward to get back onto the field and go through the NFL's concussion protocol. So he he will not play in the game Thursday night. That happened with Andrew Luck in 16 or 17, whatever it was. He got a concussion against Tennessee. Misses the Pittsburgh game. Yes. So it's just, with the protocol, there, there's just too many steps in a short week to do that. Also, T.Y. Hilton is listed as questionable with his groin injury. T.Y. missed last week, and with the Colts' loss, turns out that the Colts fell to 1-10 and 10 all-time without T.Y. Hilton since he was drafted in 2012. That's not a small sample size. No, it's not. And, and it, both him and Costanzo, we, we mentioned the Costanzo stat earlier this year when AC had to miss a game. Uh, it, very similar numbers. It, not good when those two studs, or one of those two studs, misses a game. They're, they're crucially important to the success of this Colts team. T.Y. said himself this week, he said, teams play different when I'm in there. That's not just false bravado. It's really not. In spite of T.Y.'s less than uh, spectacular year this year, teams still have to account for him on the field. Uh, it, you, you can't just let T.Y. – you can't treat T.Y. like a regular, quote-unquote, regular NFL receiver. I know it's it's a very wide brush to paint with, but, uh, but he, he gets a little special attention, as he should. Uh, because of what he's been able to accomplish in this league. And he's 30 years old. It's not like he's 36. Is he on the back nine of his career? Yes. But he is, he, he's not on the 18th green right now. So let's not treat it as such. Uh, and, and that's what people, again, at some point, he's, he needs to be a factor in the stat line. He, just, he, yes, he does. Yes, you're correct. But, but there's still, when he's out there, you have to pay attention to him. And that opens up things maybe deep for Marcus Johnson, Zach Pass. It simply does. Mm-hmm. And because if you take T.Y. out of this mix, who do you game plan for? Who, who do you bother to game plan for? Nobody. 
And that you, you just can't have that kind of an offense. And I guess you could almost argue with him in there. Yes, you game plan for T.Y., but this offense, the deeper we get into the season, when you don't have a Paris Campbell on what he might have done, there is no one that, that gives you headaches at night thinking, how are we going to stop X? Where with the Colts, they're worrying about Derrick Henry and, and probably A.J. Brown. But but if you, you know, I, I just, that's the biggest flaw in this offense now is, is who. And until you get the answer to who, this offense is going to be hit and miss every week. And T.Y. said on Tuesday, he said, I'm very close, did some great things today. It's up to the coaches and uh, Joe, Joe, I love it when T.Y. says it's up to the coaches because he always says that when he's hurt because I think T.Y. Coaches would, and doctors. <laughs> yeah, up to the coaches and doctors just because I, I think T.Y. would go out with one leg if he if he was allowed to do so. And which, I mean, which, he did, which he did in 18. Exactly, against the Texans. In December. Yeah. And he kind of had a game like that last year against the Chiefs where he was more of a decoy than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a gamer. There's a reason he's a fan favorite in Indianapolis because I think he would go out there at all costs. Tight end Mo Alley-Cox also listed as a limited participant in Tuesday's walkthrough. He's had a knee injury. He's been able to work his way through it uh, and play the past uh, – play, played last week at least. I don't know if he played two weeks ago. I'm trying to just rack my brain quickly. I don't I think, think he did he, miss did he? one game. Yeah, I think he did too. So uh, anyway, he was able to play last week. So I, I, I would bet that – I would bet he plays. I would bet T.Y. is questionable. Maybe leaning to the good side of questionable, but it's hard to tell when these are just walkthrough practices that they're going through. And uh, Jack Doyle, I, for for all for all planning purposes, is out. Even though the Colts won't officially say that right now, he, he's not going to play. For the Tennessee Titans, they'll be without Pro Bowl left tackle Taylor Luan out for the season with an ACL injury. Right tackle Dennis Kelly also did not participate in Tuesday's practice with a knee injury, so. Mike, that that's red flag territory for them right there. If both of your starting tackles are out, that 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 poses a real problem for your offensive line. Because even if one's out, you shift the other, you bring in one backup. That's not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, it's not good for teams, especially when for a guy like Luan and he's a Pro Bowler. But you lose both tackles, then you're really testing your depth right there. Well, transfer to the Colts, you lose Costanzo and Braden Smith. Ugh. I ah. mean, most teams are, are fortunate to have one serviceable tackle, backup mm-hmm. tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to expect two to come in and play well is, is really difficult, and, and we'll get into it in a little bit. That that puts more of a premium on the Titans really establishing Derrick Henry mm-hmm. because, again, I think the, the Colts have a good enough pass rush in front seven that they can get after Tannehill. Wide receiver Adam Humphreys did not practice on Tuesday with a concussion. Very similar to the situation with Jack Doyle. Just not enough time for you to work through the NFL's concussion protocol, so Humphreys uh, will be out on Thursday uh, as well. Jadavian Clowney listed as a full participant in Tuesday's practice. He missed Sunday's game. Uh, Joe, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I think you might. I don't know what Clowney's doing this year, but I know it hasn't been super impressive after uh, just all the to-do about Jadavian Clowney in the the past two off-seasons, really, about who's going to sign him. And he wants $20 million, but this year in particular, he has not exactly been all that much of a uh, stat uh, producer for the Titans. 
No, he's not. And it's kind of been the case in the past. I remember he was very impactful with Seattle last year, but Mm -hmm. he didn't put up a lot in the stat category. Um, He has yet to record a sack this season. So he hasn't really been getting after the quarterback like they hoped he would. Still, Mike, I think in the same line as T.Y. Hilton, even if you haven't hit that quote unquote home run yet, you're not exactly going to just shove Jajavion Clowney down your uh, down your your scouting report. He's still someone you got to pay a little bit of attention to. He's one of those guys that it probably drives defensive coordinators crazy when they've got him is because he'll give you three or four or five plays in a game. And I think he's, he's such an undisciplined player that, that there, there are negatives to those positive plays, but we've seen how he can, he can be a factor in limited spaces against the Colts. So like you said, you have to take, you have to pay attention or he will wreck your game. And there are a few teams, honestly, that have seen the best of Jadavion Clowney more than the Colts. They, they, they've seen some really good games from him and he has wrecked like, a couple of games. Like Bortles. Exactly. So the, 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 Indi- the facing Indianapolis Colts all-stars, maybe we could do a, a segment like that just so people will never download our podcast ever again. So we talk about all these horrible memories for Colts fans in the past, Billy Volek. And uh, so now we move on to the Colts and the Titans. We'll preview the game coming up. The Titans Currently sit atop Blake the- Ezor, another one. You hit that. I, I, my mind starts. My mind starts racing. There was a running. Was he from Michigan State? When the Colts weren't very good, and Blake Ezor came in against when they played Denver, and he ran for like three thousand yards in the game. It's it, it'd be a great podcast that no one would listen to. Well, my mind went straight to Darren Sproles. Oh yeah, well, well, but but he but he's a player. Yeah, we, can, Blake yeah. Ezor was well, never a player. You, you, okay, you got to put Jonas Gray on that list as well. The, uh, the uh, New England Patriots running back too. See, see, now it, we're now it, we're, down yeah. we're, we're, we're down the rabbit yeah, hole. Exactly. No, no. We'll, 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 well, seriously, we might have to put something together in the future, but and have fun and also hate ourselves at the same Sounds time. Like a great June episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lock that away, Joe. We'll come back to it. Um, but anyway, the Colts visit the Titans this week. Colts are five and three. Titans are six and two. Um, as Mike mentioned earlier, really a crucial game in the division because if you lose to the Titans right here, you're two games back of them, and you have one game against them in the future. But nevertheless, that really puts you, um, really puts you behind the eight ball in the division, which is the easiest way to get into the playoffs. Obviously, having one or two more playoff positions is great this year, but nevertheless, the easy way to the postseason is through your division. And if the Colts beat the Titans this week, that really puts them, you could say it puts them in the driver's seat, even though the uh, immediate future is still pretty difficult. you got another game against the Titans coming up. But the Colts are currently ninth in the AFC standings, as Mike mentioned, currently out of any playoff position, even if that playoff is expanded to eight teams. Uh, Tennessee, in spite of being 6-2, and two, well, the Titans have lost two of their last three games. They lost to Pittsburgh, which everyone has done this year, to be fair. They came very close to beating Pittsburgh. And the Colts might later on, too. And exactly. And also lost to Cincinnati, which the Colts were very close to losing to Cincinnati before a, a very strong second-half comeback, and uh, the Bengals just uh, tripping over their own shoelaces and not being able to stop the Colts from having a three-score lead in the first half. or four. I think it was a three-score lead. I think that was all it was. 21-8. Yeah. So the Titans have kept it close. All but two of their games have been decided by seven points or less this year. Um, and what Joe has put together here on the Titans is uh, very much indicative of a dangerous offense, which starts with Derrick Henry. Uh, second in the NFL in rushing yards, he has 843 on the season in eight games, so he's averaging better than 100 yards per game. Also has eight touchdowns, so he's averaging a touchdown a game. Um, Mike, when it comes to the running backs that the Colts have to face every year, obviously Derrick Henry is top of the list, but honestly, when you look around the league at any running back, Derrick Henry, is probably one of the top two or three 
running backs that any offense would any defense would have to game plan against when you're facing his team. Yeah, and it's funny they you say, well, they, they've got like the, is it the second or third best run defense. The Colts, I think they're number two now, and they just handled Baltimore's run game, held them to 110 yards a season low. This is different. This is as different as you can get as far as how you attack uh, or, or what you're facing in a run game. Derrick Henry's like 71% of their attempts and 73% of their yards. He's their guy. Uh, he's also like 6'3 and 245. He's bigger than probably most, if not all, Colts linebackers. And it matters. Yeah. It, it just does. And we talked to Darius Leonard about it. And he said, you know, he said, I always joke with him that he's a defensive end playing running back. And he's got that that size. He's got the speed. He over the last three years, he's got a ninety-eight yard, he's got a ninety-nine yard touchdown run and a ninety-four yard touchdown run. For a guy that's that big, that's right. crazy to me. And, and, and it's not that people fall down; he runs away from them. Mm-hmm. So, and he, it's the interesting thing is again since eighteen, since Eberflus has been here, the Colts' run defense is fourth in the league, which is that's pretty darn good. It's like ninety-six yards a game they've given up. They've given up, given up one. 100-yard game in the regular season. You know, hello, Derrick Henry. Yep. So this is this is one to where if you can hold him to the 105, the low hundreds, you've had a good day because they're, they're going to run the guy. They're, they're just, they just are. So uh, it, it, it's just not letting him get loose for that, that monster game that he can do. Again, it was I think it was 149 he had in 2018, I think it was, or mm-hmm. – Maybe yeah, I think it was 2018 against the Colts. So you've just you've just got to keep him on a short leash. 2019, I I, I, I correct myself. So, but that that's that's the thing. But then if you slow him down, Tannehill, we all sort of at least I did sort mm-hmm. of poo pooed them getting him from Miami because what are you getting? Well, so far so good. He's like 13-5 and five as a starter with the Titans. And, and Tannehill, his stats this year have certainly backed up their decision to, to extend him. Not just, of course, as you mentioned, sign him away uh, from, from the trash heap that Miami left him on, but uh, to say, hey, you're our quarterback now. Now go forward. Uh, he's 19 touchdowns this year in eight games, so he's averaging better than two touchdowns a game. Only three interceptions, which I think a lot of Colts fans would be very, very happy with. Uh, 65% completion percentage, which is okay. It's not out of this world, but it's certainly not bad. I'd say that's probably middle of the pack. Um, he also has a rushing touchdown. He's only been sacked 11 times. Um, so he's been sacked less than twice per game. That's in part due to the offensive line there and also in part due to Tannehill's pretty athletic. I, I don't even want to say deceptively athletic. I think he's pretty athletic. He, did you know he's a receiver in college? I did know he was a receiver <laughs> in college. Uh-huh. I remember hearing Mel Kuyper talk about that for, for months leading into to that draft, whenever it was, many, many moons ago. But uh, but yeah, Tannehill was he, he was like I, I think shoot because I, I went to a I went to a Texas A and M game and I think he was on that team I think he was a wide receiver there I went with Montana State way back in the day um, when uh, when I was working in Montana and I think Tannehill was there um, but anyway that's that's completely here nor there and I also definitely saw Derrick Henry play as a running back in high school in Florida and that did not go well for opposing teams as I have told that story many times before here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast so um, J- I mean Joe as a um, like as a fantasy guy you're, you're always trying to look and you especially since you hate running backs you're always trying to look for the next running back because running backs burn out uh, and they 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 do in the NFL but it, it stuns me that Derrick Henry like he had more carries 
than any other running back in Florida high school history. He like had so many carries when he played for Alabama, and he's getting the ball all the stinking time when he plays for the Titans right now. And he has shown no signs of backing down. He has shown very little signs of getting injured and getting nicked up and having to miss a game here or there. He is a he is a marvel among running backs. He is the exception to the rule, really, that running backs are 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 indisposable. I w- I would think, at least just looking at what he's been able to accomplish in recent years. Yeah, and I think it ho- certainly helps that a lot of the guys tackling him are smaller than he is. Yes, it does. And I uh, I also think it helps his first couple years in the league. I remember us in the fantasy community were so frustrated because they wouldn't just give him the job. It was DeMarco Dion Murray. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, him too. Yeah. DeMarco Murray the first couple years. And then that one year, it was Dion, uh, Lewis mm-hmm. who got a lot of the run. So he hasn't always been this guy who got close to 300 carries a year. But uh, it certainly worked for the Titans recently. Also, if you look at their wide receivers, Mike mentioned A.J. Brown earlier. Uh, he, he's pretty darn good. He was a second-round pick last year, 51st overall. I think that was just a couple before Paris Campbell, right, at 55? It was. I was hoping Brown would fall. But he did not, and he is now a Titan, and he's playing pretty darn good football. In uh, six games this year, has six touchdowns, uh, uh, 457, rather, yards, 31 catches. So he's averaging better than five yards, I mean five catches when he plays in those six games. Um, Some pretty good backup options. Corey Davis is a former top five pick in the league, so... If you can have a former top five pick as your second or third receiver, that's not too bad. He, he certainly didn't live up to that billing, but you can have him there as a, as a backup option. That's, that's not too bad. It's a guy that has certainly athletic upside there as your, as your number two receiver. And also tight end Johnu Smith. Um, Delaney Walker is no longer a Titan. I think he's been there for 30 years, uh, as long as the Titans were in Tennessee. And heck, he might have been in Houston Oiler when, uh, when Earl Campbell was there. I don't know. But, uh, but now it's John U. Smith's job, and he's doing pretty darn well in it with six touchdowns himself, 24 catches, 305 yards. Uh, Mike, this is not, certainly not a one-trick, um, one-trick offense when it comes to the passing game. Tannehill has several different options. And so the Colts secondary is going to just have to be on their guard and be be ready to face several of them, even though A.J. Brown is certainly the one guy you're going to focus on. And, and again, the Colts are getting really, really good play front end, back end. What they, they shared the, t- the league lead with 11 interceptions. Uh, they can get consistent pass rush. They, they can. It, it, it sort of comes and goes, but they, they, were, they were pretty solid last week when you're getting stuff from Danico Autry and you know, DeForest Buckner inside, and we need to see, we need to see Justin Houston kind of get back into. He's mm-hmm. had like two games. If you if you check the defensive stat list last week, he's not on it, not a tackle, not an assist, and that's not his game. So, but again, I, I it, it starts with Henry, but then once you get past there, you, you've got to you've got to find a way to keep Tannehill from going off because he he's more of more of a uh, controlled passer i guess but boy they've they've got deep strike threat and and they really stress the entire realm of your defense joe i'll say this also about uh about johnny smith um i i think that if indeed the titans um their right tackle dennis kelly can't play and you're down both kelly and taylor luan there are probably going to be fewer opportunities for him to go out in certain passing sets because they're going to want a little bit more protection. We're going to want to give some of their backups a little bit more help there, I would think. Yeah, they'll probably keep the tight end in the block. I know they did spend a first-round pick on a offensive tackle, but he is still a rookie. 
Um, and there's a reason he's not starting right now. So you're probably right about that. They'll keep him and their other tight ends in the block as well. When you look at the defense for the Titans, uh, that's a unit that's taken a step back from last year. And I certainly think that letting Jarrell Casey walk in free agency to the Broncos is, is a big part of that. He was a Pro Bowl defensive lineman and uh, was a disruptor up front that uh, they don't quite have. Yeah, well, they give up like a six-round pick or yeah, something like that was, in return. I think it was a salary cap issue because they were trying be. to sign Tannehill and Henry. Yeah, so. yeah you're, you're right. So, I mean, it's uh, you, you get it, it's easy to sit back here and criticize the uh, the Titans. Why on earth do you let Jarrell Casey go? Well, well, but they yeah, are missing him. They are for sure, and, and like that's what. Um, I mean, the 49ers had to do with DeForest Buckner, even though they got uh, quite a little bit more of a return than a uh, sixth round pick that the uh, Broncos gave up. But nevertheless, um, the uh, the defense for the Titans is bottom half of the league uh, in in quite a few categories. Yards allowed, they're allowing more on nearly 400 yards per game. That's 25th in the league. They're middle of the pack in yards, so it's a little bit bend but don't break there. They kind of sturdy up in the red zone a bit. Um, they're averaging 25 points per game given up. Uh, they only have 10 sacks on the year, though. That's a big number. The Colts have 20, just for reference. They have really struggled to get to the quarterback. Come back to my uh, my mention of Casey. They're just not disruptive up front, not like they have been in years past. Um, a guy like Harold Landry out of Boston College, a guy they drafted, I think, in the first round two years ago, maybe three years ago, Joe. Yeah. But he, he hasn't was... he hasn't been the guy that I think they they expected him to be. No, sure. I think he I think he ended up being like a high second round pick. And okay, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he leads them with two and a half sacks, but that's not a lot to write home about. Their other first round pick from last year, Simmons, is second with two sacks. So their young guys are pulling a lot of the work, but there's a lot to be desired. Was Simmons the one that missed like all of last year? So yeah, the, yeah, he had the yep. ACL or some right. kind of knee injury. I, I remember believe. we talked a lot about him as a guy the Colts could potentially take at the end of the first round, and then that didn't happen. But well, yeah. and their run defense, maybe this is another uh, Jarrell Casey, you know, contribution. They're 119 yards a game, 4.5 an attempt they're giving up. So <laughs> we 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 can talk about this later, but th- this is a team that you should be able to run against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know how many weeks can we talk this about is, that? This is yeah, yeah. We, we were just mentioning this before we came on the air, Mike, and, and and Joe will bring you into the conversation. That like we we've said this every every week and like keys to the game. Hey, run the football. Hey, establish the run. Hey, get back to the run game. Th- there has to come a point, Joe, at this time in the season, sometime in the season, where you just throw that out the window and you just say, you know what, the Colts aren't a very good running football team. But the D- Denny Green, they are who they they thought we were. No, they are not who we thought they Correct. were. That's that's for darn sure. You are what your record sa- says you are. That's Bill Parcells. Right. You, yeah. And it's just so baffling. Like, I, I can't come up with a good reason why. I mean, maybe a lack of a deep threat allows the defenses to focus in, but Rivers is one of the top, top in the league as far as 20-yard uh, completions. Mm-hmm. So they've been able to hit the the big plays, maybe not the 40-yarder, but the 20-yarder. So I don't really get it. Um, it. It just seems odd that they won't ride the rookie. I'll say I'll say this, and with, with full um, – Full respect to this offensive line, obviously, because it's one of the best pass protecting units in the league, clearly, because Philip Rivers can't run faster than Mike Chappell after his hip surgery. True. So if they 
Their run blocking has Would not. You have been able to tackle Chuck Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. In the open field, probably not. <laughs> Maybe at least stay upwards. <laughs> Sorry, so. David. No, no, no it's okay. Like there's a difference. There's a big difference between run blocking and pass blocking, and you guys know this, and I think most NFL fans know this. But it, but it bears a little bit of discussion because of what we've seen from the Colts' offensive line this year. No one can dispute the fact that they are an elite pass protecting unit. And Frank Reich has said as much this this year. I know coaches don't always tell the truth about their players. They want to build them up. But but in this case, it is the truth. They are one of the best pass-protecting units in the league, bar none. Running game, there's a difference between, um, I think, reacting and then asserting on offense. And off pass-protecting is a lot of reacting. Like, you, you have a plan going in. That's what Ryan Kelly really does, call out the defense and slide protections here and there to this side, that side. So you have a plan, but then you step back and you wait for them to come to you. And then you push them back. Running game is the opposite. Running game, you assert yourself. You assert your dominance. You move forward. You attack. And that is something that, for whatever reason, this offensive line this year has not been great at. And I think maybe some of it has to do with getting these new running backs like a um, the new running back, I should say, just one, uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, kind of cutting his teeth and not having Marlon Mack. Was Marlon Mack really that good? Was he able I, to just... I, I think we're finding that, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, think I really do. Maybe he was able to dance around a little bit and wait for a hole to develop a little bit more than Taylor. Maybe his vision's a little bit better to see a hole coming open better than Taylor. Um, but, but yeah, that, that goes to show you that, as we were talking about last offseason, I mean, Joe, we were like, boy, I think Marlon Mack's time in Indy is numbered. Now, I think he's moving up the list of guys you really want to re-sign based on what this unit has been able to do without him, which has not been impressive. So not saying that Marlon Mack would fix all the woes of this offensive line running the ball right now, but it, I, I'd imagine it would, would be better than what's going on. So, yeah. And it doesn't seem, you know, I remember last year, Quentin Nelson was the talk of the town. Everyone was loving Quentin Nelson. It, it's been really quiet on the Nelson front this year. Not as many pancakes. I'm not saying that's because he's taking a step back. I'm more saying it's because of what you're talking about is the offensive line is not asserting himself. Uh, an aggressive Quentin Nelson, an aggressive offensive line is something that you want, and then Taylor can just run behind the holes. But we really haven't seen that mostly this year. If you make hats that say run the you-know-what ball, <laughs> y- you better be able to do it well. Like yeah. you, you've, you've kind of put yourself out there, and, uh, and right now you're out there with not a whole lot of ground to stand on. Um, it is, and we've we've talked, and it seems like the real telling point is the, the third and shorts, mm-hmm. and fourth and short last week. Where mm-hmm. if you've got the best line in the league, we were talking before we went on the air. When it's third and one, you you should be thinking on what my next my my first down play is, mm-hmm. not not putting the punter out. And how there. can we get one yard here? Or right, special so, teams unit get ready. That's sort of the telling point. And, you know, the running backs are averaging three seven a carry. It's you know last week they ran for 111 yards was it they they actually outrushed the Ravens if you want to go that route but that included uh, the Michael Harris getting a couple gadget plays which is yep. fine yeah I mean that's that's a part of a lot of teams running game but it's it's when they're having to re- rely right now on Jordan Wilkins because 
it does seem like they've they've taken a step back from Jonathan Taylor, and you could say who can blame him. Mm-hmm. He's had I think it was eleven total second half snaps the last two games. That's not what they they expected. It's not what they promised. Mm-hmm. You remember they were talking, we're adding explosive players in Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, and thus far that's not been the case. We're starting to see Michael Pittman. He looked pretty good last week mm-hmm. coming back from the injury. But uh, and you're right. After eight games, to say, well, the key is they got to run the. Game. No, at, at at some point, if the, if they start running it now, you're going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. So, but but the time is is passing to when you can you can reestablish the run game. So that all di- uh, diverted from our mention that the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, do not sack the quarterback well, and we started talking about the Colts offensive line. So that was a great rabbit hole right there to. To go a lot for of rabbit holes minutes. today. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. But, well, uh, one more mention or two more of the Titans' defense right now. In spite of the ways that they've struggled, they are very good at taking the ball away. They have 14 takeaways, nine interceptions, five fumble recoveries this year. That is third in the NFL. And they have the league's best turnover differential, um, which is plus eight. They don't turn the ball over. They have only four turnovers themselves on offense. So I mean, that... That and third down conversion percentage, you always point to like different things that make teams successful. Red zone conversion percentage, like it's not just the amount of yards you gain. It's situational football and taking care of the football. And Mike, the Titans do this better than most teams, if not uh, many teams or all teams for that matter. If you have the best in the league, you're at plus eight. So the ball security has got to be at a premium because you figure that the Titans aren't going to do anything stupid to to really put themselves in a bad situation. Well, the Colts' th- the three losses has been turnovers. Yep. And not only just turnovers, but points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, last week, two turnovers. 14 points. 14 points. What's well, the differential? Well, uh, 14, 14 points. I mean, this is this is not complicated stuff. So that's that's the main thing. And it's that's why I said I wish I trusted this Colts offense, because right now I don't. Uh, Phillip Rivers needs to step up in – the quote big game and not to put it all on him that the team's putting it all on him by not being able to run the ball. Right. So again, when he throws the ball 40 times, it's not a good thing, Mm-mm. not just this year, but, but over his career, like with many quarterbacks. So until they can find some ways to, to, to be more robust in other areas, run the ball, uh, or, or get the, and it, it, the, the funny thing on the chunk plays, it, it's really, it's however you want to do it. They're like top ten in twenty yard completions, but but they're twenty yard completions. Right. They're not forty five. They've got like two two pass plays of forty five or or, long, or forty or longer. I think one of them was Mo Alley Cox too, and one was Marcus Johnson. <laughs> yes. So that's so yeah, you're getting chunk plays, but you're not getting you know the really the chunk in in capital letters. The T Y Hilton plays correct, mm-hmm. and we've not seen that since. The quarterback whose name we won't mention mm. was throwing the ball, mm. and in today's NFL, it is just too hard to drive to have twelve played. Now these guys can have long drives; they can, but by and large, it's 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 explosive plays instead of chunk plays, and they've got to find a way to do that. And I would argue with with the group that they've got, where do you see it? Mm-hmm. Maybe Naheem Hines get him a little more involved and. I mean, that's my thing with Taylor over Wilkins is Wilkins isn't going to bust the big one for you. Taylor's the one with breakaway speed. So even though he's only getting you three, four, two, three, hopefully 
by his 10th carry, he can break one for you. Well, but, but, he, but then he can't go 10 for 22 at Detroit. No. Yeah. And, and he had one carry after his fumble in the first quarter mm-hmm. against the Ravens. And we, we talked to him on whatever it was, Tuesday. He's and, a positive kid. I'll give him yes. that. But, but this is new territory for yes. him. It, it just is. He had to fumble his shoes at Wisconsin. But at Wisconsin, if he had a fumble in the first quarter, he had 15 or 20 carries to make up for it. Yeah. Well, here it's – and again, he, he, fumbles haven't been an issue. He's, he's had one. One with 100 and – what is it, 102 carries or whatever it is, 100 and some carries. But when you don't have the chance to atone for it with 10 or 12 carries after that, it's just tough, and it's an adjustment. So keys to the game, Colts-Titans. Thursday night football, broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59. Number one's got to be stop the run. And we, we mentioned Derrick Henry plenty of times already. But if you want if you want to limit the Titans, you got to limit Henry. Um, maybe keep him, as Mike said, to the – like I, I think he's going to get his opportunities. If you can hold him to, to less than 80 yards per in this game, you're doing a really, really good he's job. He's averaging 5.9 against these guys in his career. In the last in the last sixty games, and, and again, as you mentioned, the uh, Matt Eberflus defense is the only one running back in the regular season has ever topped a hundred yards against, and that was Derrick Henry, ran for a hundred and forty nine in Week thirteen last year. So not even just barely over that number. It was it was quite the. Uh, but that was the game too. That was a strange game. The Colts have won like nineteen of the last twenty three, and last year. That was with thirty-one to seventeen, I think it was. Is that the one where the field goal got blocked and plunk, they returned plunk. it? The, the Colts were kicking for to take the lead. Yeah, with five minutes to play yeah. at home, mm-hmm. and we had the the, the kick six, mm-hmm. and then they they tacked on one at the end. So even as bad as things were going in that two and seven finish last year, they were in position to beat Tennessee. Yeah, being in position. Uh, at the know, end of the, exactly, yeah. yeah. A lot of teams are in position to do something. The Jets are in position to get a pretty good quarterback. Oh, my goodness. Yes. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, keys to the game number two. Uh, limit big plays. Ryan Tannehill has completed seven passes of 40 or more yards. Mike, you mentioned those good stats. Or, Joe, you both mentioned the good stats for Phillip Rivers and 20-plus yard completions. Well, 40 is double that. Uh, I mean, math was not uh, my, my major. <laughs> At Syracuse University, but let me uh, fact check that real quick. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, I no, but seven passes of forty or more yards, which is the fourth most in the NFL. They go deep, and they are not afraid to do so. Uh, Colts did well against the Ravens. Their longest gain was twenty-one yards. Uh, no, the Ravens never ran the ball more than ten yards, so they were really able to keep keep the lid on very impressively, in my opinion, Lamar Jackson and that uh, running game, but. Uh, the the Titans do so through the air a little bit more with AJ Brown a little bit more with Corey Davis a little bit more. So secondary, whether it's Rocky Scene or uh, Xavier, Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes, who's Maybe had a more. tremendous year, really. Um, Julian Blackman back there. Maybe he gets a little bit more action. We haven't seen Julian. We haven't said his name the past couple of weeks after having a couple of weeks there at the beginning of the season where it seemed like he was making a big play um, every week, and he might get the opportunity to do so now if the uh, the Titans do try to hit him deep a couple times. So uh, secondary's got to be on their P's and Q's. Um, on the other side of the ball, offense probably going to have to show up against a disappointing Titans defense. Um, 
you hope you get the uh, Philip Rivers in the wins, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and not the Philip Rivers in losses, one touchdown, five interceptions. And Joe, I know you mentioned getting the run game and Jonathan Taylor going here, uh, but at the same time, um, get that'd be fantastic. Let me let me say, but as as we've brought up, I I think that for me right now is the time. Like I've hit my limit with saying that that's the key to the run game for this year. Like I, I think they tried they tried to do something markedly different the past two weeks with bringing in Michael Harris and trying to be more gadgety with the run play. I think they've done that because they realize it's not working with uh, with Taylor with Wilkins up the middle. You got to do some more things schematically to get the quote-unquote run game going. So I just don't know how impressive it's going to be in the stat sheet at the end of the day. I think the big plays in the run game will come from something like Harris or those screen passes to Naheem Hines that you were saying, hey, maybe Hines can get in more, and that's basically a run at the end of the day. They did a lot of tunnel screens, it seemed like, last week against the Ravens. Maybe it was just a thing that they thought that they saw something in the Ravens' defense that they could exploit. But, but your run game, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but maybe your run game is turned into that, turned into tunnel screens, turned into jet sweeps, and that's how you're going to try to make those big plays. I will say I've definitely changed the way I think about and define get going as the year has gone along. That's fair. Um, I guess my main point is just you, you cannot, you know, we've talked about Philip Rivers throwing the ball 40 times is not going to work. No. So they're going to have to do something on the ground enough to keep Rivers from having to just do everything with his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last two games, Jonathan Taylor, Mike, has 17 carries for 49 yards. So uh, Frank Reich was saying this week, I know he wants the ball talking about Taylor 30 times a game like he did in college, but... He's willing to play the role that he's in right now, and he's willing to grow into it. And he said the team has its utmost confidence in Jonathan Taylor. So uh, we'll see exactly how much action he gets against Tennessee, a team that has been able to, uh, has been rather, I wouldn't say Swiss cheesy in the run game, but uh, maybe maybe a little uh, a little holy. Just, just well, a the one thing on Taylor, 17 for 49. But he was like six for twenty-seven against the Ravens until the fumble. Right. So, so he, was, he had a pretty good start. So he has he, he he showed you know the first play of the game, eleven yards around around end, and and the, the nine yarder was a pretty good run mm-hmm. until. So uh, that's why I say with with him, he he's got to either the team has to have more confidence that once you have the fumble, you know, get back on the horse and give it to him again right away. Or that, or whether Tom Rathman, the position coach, thought, no, we're going to let him sit and think about it for a little bit. But it's 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 got to be. Was it Taylor told us that his coach at Wisconsin said, "Don't count your reps, make your reps count." Well, again, when when you're a feature back that that I think it was Wisconsin, he averaged 23 carries a game. He's had that one time here. I think it was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but again, I, I'm I'm kind of with you guys that if it doesn't happen this week, then. We should we should be uh, banned from using that as a key to the game. A key to the game. <laughs> I, I second that. So so, but we'll see. But again, they, they simply can't abandon the. They cannot no. get away from the run. Yeah, that that'll be the key in the future. Don't abandon the Don't run abandon game. The run. Right. Yeah. But but the fact that they're being more creative tells you that they're convinced they can't do it conventionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the, the first game against uh, 
Jacksonville. They sort of use that short passing game and the stuff to the backs. Hines had like nine catches. Was it, I don't 17, know if it, was was that it many, 17 passes to the running backs? I think, I think it, was. it was. I think it was a ton. Which is, which is, you know, they're not handoffs, but but they're they're darn near handoffs. Yeah. So I think that the, the more creative they get shows you the lack of real confidence in lining up and just playing smash mouth run football and even the first play against the ravens last week if you remember it was a schemed play like they it was a fake one way toss the outside and they, it was like they saw something with how the ravens are starting the game they said hey we can get a chunk here off the bat and they got it off the bat that wasn't just run up and your best against our best and uh, we'll we'll punch you in the mouth and see who comes out on top and and, and i don't want to I don't want to be Debbie Downer about that. That's a really good scheme by the Colts offensive coaches to get some to get some yards right off the bat. But at the same time, it's not it's not what the Titans are doing, you know, to, and, and, to get one and, of the but, best run games in the NFL. And, and there are times, a lot of times, where you simply have to line up and say we're going to run the ball. That's what they did last year. Yep. I, I don't. I'm sure there were occasions last year, but I don't. I don't remember a lot where they tried to out scheme someone on the gadget plays in the run game. They just said, we're going to run the ball. I'm sure they always do in some aspect, you know, if it depends on where, which gap you're trying to run into, but, but yes, you're correct. Like the, the way they're running the ball this year looks completely different than, than, than how they Marlon, ran last Marlon year. Marlon Mack. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You talk about players who, whose stock is going up when they don't play. It's Dak Prescott in Dallas. And it's right now it's Marlon Mack and Indy. Another point that Joe makes here in our uh, keys to the game on offense, maybe perhaps give Michael Pittman Jr. some more targets. And that's certainly the case if T.Y. Hilton is uh, is out for another game. But uh, maybe even if he's there uh, and not quite at 100%. Uh, Pittman Jr. had the best game of his first year with four catches and 56 yards. He had seven targets against the Ravens this last week. Um, Joe, as you mentioned, the, the Colts used their first pick in the draft on him for a reason because they really like him. We heard Frank Reich say... Uh, in those Colts productions videos, how much he loved Michael Pittman Jr. and got caught on him early. So like he could have kind of his blinders on. So he needed other people to help like give a full, complete evaluation of Pittman just because he liked him so much. Well, now you're more than halfway through the season, so it's time to see a few results. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised the way that they're using him. You haven't really seen the goal line fades to the 6'4 Pittman or just throwing it up to him down the field, the jump balls where he can just go over another defender you haven't really seen that you've seen him more underneath stuff and screen passes so just kind of peculiar the way i've seen him use that's something mike that they said they loved about him too like 50 50 balls frank was like i don't think i ever saw a 50 50 ball that he didn't catch well how about we throw a couple 50 50 balls to him huh rivers loves throwing those yeah exactly the fact that he missed a couple games it it kind of i'm sure that hurt it absolutely hurt hurt that but we didn't see that early yeah i thought he looked pretty i thought i liked the burst he showed Mm -hmm. against the ravens and just so, so i don't forget the colts have announced that uh Matthew Adams has been placed on the COVID list. Okay. Now, whether that's we don't whether that's a positive test or uh, breaking news w- here with contact tracing. So we'll yeah. see. We'll have to kind of stay tuned to where that goes because if one player has, then you wonder where does the contact tracing touch? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. If it's if it's just one player, I I, I hate to spec. I'm not even going to. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just glad that it's not a group of players. Because maybe if it's one player and there's a bunch of close contacts, then there's there's a lot more than one that goes onto the list. So that, that that's as much as I'll say in speculation. So uh, that's something that we'll certainly pay attention to. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone uh, to get uh, up to the minute uh, updates for whatever is going on with uh, with Matt Adams, and you can follow me at Dave G underscore Sports. Mike is at M Chapel fifty one. Joe is at Rota Street Joe as well. 
Um, but we will start to wrap up our podcast here and uh, say, let's see, hang on, one more. I missed this one. Uh, opportunism. Take advantage of trips to the to the red zone for sure, and make Tennessee pay for the few mistakes they made. And that's a good point, Joe. That I, the Colts we were talking earlier this year about just their red zone struggles. I think that has subsided a little bit. Just from I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I feel they've done better in that aspect, just because it was a glaring weakness earlier in the season. Uh, but but nevertheless, you. You, you can't make mistakes against a team that doesn't make mistakes like the Titans don't seem to do. They don't turn the ball over. They, uh, they run the ball, and they, they can win the field position game. If, if that's what they're doing, then you're going to have to just limit the mistakes you make as well. And that was the difference in the Ravens game. You remember they get the fumble as the Ravens <laughs> are near the goal line, and they just turn it right back over immediately. They didn't yep. take advantage. I, I like the call there. Like to, to be fair, I like going deep. But as Philip Rivers said, that was a bad pass. Like he drastically underthrew. Was that Pascal out there? No, no, no. no, it was no. Marcus yeah, that's right. It was Marcus Johnson. So, so he he like that was he, a bad. It was a. It was. It was a bad throw and it was a bad decision by the referees to uh, overturn that. Okay. You and Stop. I probably disagree on I, that. I like okay. Here we go. <laughs> I, I didn't want to get rabbit into hole this number because, seven. Look, I, I'm not I'm not I'm done with arguing pe- with people on Twitter over this. But that was according to the NFL rule books a catch and a fumble. It absolutely was and if you disagree with me well, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. I disagree with I, you. I know. Everybody disagrees with me. Like, literally everybody. There, there's not anybody, except for the people who matter, the people in the NFL officiating replay booth, that agree with me. He caught the ball. He took multiple steps, like three or four steps, and then the ball came out. They were quick steps. Yes, they were. They you were could falling see to the ground. They were falling to the ground, but he's still taking steps. See, I disagree. Like that's, that's I disagree that he maintained possession. I, I thought the ball was moving. I hear you, and the ball was moving, but his hands were still on the ball, and that's because Johnson was pulling down on his arm. I think the ball can be twisting around, and your hands can still have complete control of it. Like I didn't see the ball get loose in his hands. I saw the ball twisting around, and I saw his hands moving along with it. It seemed to me like he had control of it. Again, like. I think overturning this call is certainly bringing it into more of a light that it wouldn't have been if it wasn't overturned with with either call. But I, I think it was so much closer than anybody else thinks, which I know like, it, I'm the but, only but, person. But it shouldn't be that it was closer. It, it it's they said it was clear, obvious. I thought it was again. Well, I thought and, it was, and clear. I, did, I didn't. It, it, yes, to me, I if, if you're going to overturn it, I know it should be. Yep, but that's. He he had a, it. It shouldn't be. Well, you know, I'm the only 80, person. 20, I'm the only person, and I know who thinks it was clear and obvious. Other than the people who actually. If mattered. that was Marcus Johnson trying to make that catch, I don't think they make that a catch. I don't know. So I, I think they do. I think they if do. Dave Griffiths is writing the rules, does he rule that a completed pat interception? I think so. Throughout yeah. Throughout the like, NFL's current yeah, yeah, rules, I, th- I think it should be. I think it should be a you catch. Think it should because, be a yeah, catch. I think like you you have to define it somehow. And like, and it's been defined as like you take two steps or you get a third step down. That's a football move. Like it's two feet in a football move, and then the play is over, basically, uh, quote unquote over. You know, the catch is over. Not that the play is over, but that that solidifies the catch when you make a football move after getting two feet down, and a, a step is another football move. I, I'll just go with when the Supreme Court ruled that, you know. It's pornography. You'll know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll know a catch when I see it. 
and that wasn't a kiss. That, that's what Tony Dungy said, too. He said something like, put 23rd graders in a room and, and say, uh, is that a catch or is that not a catch? But uh, but I, I disagree with Coach. I disagree with you. I disagree with you, Joe. I disagree with everyone out there. And it's okay. It's, it's lonely being right. It really is. Uh, I think Plato uh, himself said, uh, no one is hated more than the man who speaks the truth. And so I will continue to speak the truth. And, uh, and I will not falter. I will not uh, step aside. I will not give up. Because uh, I'm on a mission to civilize. Progress is slow, but I'm in it for the long haul. It must be lonely on top. It is. It's very lonely on top. We're, what, where did we veer off? Oh, we were, we were going to... It's time for game predictions. There we go. <laughs> Maybe we did that just to, to avoid or to Give us a couple more minutes right here. Game predictions. Colts take on the Titans this weekend in Tennessee. FanDuel has the Titans at one and a half point favorites. The over-under for the game is at 48 and a half. So they're expecting something like a, uh, let's say, that's like a 25-23 ball game right around there. Uh, 26-24 ball game in favor of the Titans. Um, I I would feel much better if I knew that T.Y. Hilton was playing. Um, but you feel better getting his two catches for nine yards. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I I'm uh, uh, dang it, Dave. Just make your stupid prediction. I I think that I think the Titans win this one. I think the final score is somewhere. I think this is going to be a really close game. I think this is going to come down to the to the wire. Um, I think 24-23. I'm going to put it right there. Uh, I think a late Titans field goal wins this. I think it's going to be a heartbreaking uh, game because I think uh, I think these these two teams are uh, go back and forth. They're pretty evenly matched, and I think this could this could get. Uh, get up there. I wouldn't be surprised if more more scoring is there, but I'll, I'll stick with 24-23, um, and I think the Titans come out on top. Joe, what do you think? We'll wrap things up with Mike afterward. This is another tough one. I'm going to go 23-20 to 20 Colts. I think a late field goal by the Colts wins this one. Um, and also, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to give up hope yet. You know, I'd like to remain a little bit hopeful. We're not that deep in this season. Absolutely. So. Hot ride coming through for Joe. Mike, what do you think? I'll be the decider. I've got Titans 20 to 17, so I like the under. Mm -hmm. Barring a couple of the funky turnovers. Again, I'll I'll stay with where I'm at. I really trust this defense. I think this is Mm -hmm. a championship caliber defense. Mm -hmm. I don't trust this offense at all. Mm -hmm. I just don't. And until they give me a reason to trust them, in, in a big game, I'm going to go with the other team just that they're, they're going to find a way to win this and the Colts are going to find a way to lose it. So 20 to 17 Titans. And if any of you want to argue about what a catch is or isn't, you can uh, message me on Twitter at Dave G underscore sports and I'll be sure to mute you because I'm just not dealing with it anymore. <laughs> I've dealt with too much of it over the past couple of days and, and I, I'm just fine and very happy with my decision about that. So again, you can follow uh, us all with at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. Mike Chapel is at mchapel51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And this has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Colts Titans Thursday night football this week, broadcast in Central Indiana on Fox 59 Thursday night. We will see you later.